Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. you're here this morning and it is good to be back i've been i've been gone for two weeks i was ready if i couldn't preach i was gonna pop you know i was like oh we had pastor jen she did an amazing job and then last week it was cold again for baptisms we were trying to avoid that cold but uh uh, but we had baptisms last week and i was at a pastor's convention actually uh each year our pastor pastors we have a pastor's uh, connection and this year it happened in nashville conveniently i got to see all four of my grandkids so it was awesome and uh not that i didn't also get to see my kids, but you know, well, okay. <clears throat> you see, it's not about the kids anymore. Just how many grandkids can you get me? Okay, I'm kidding. Uh, kind of. Um, and so uh, I'm glad that you're here, and I'm glad to be here. Now, I realize there's a lot of places that you could be right now. In fact, I bet you there's some of you with this weather, you're wishing you were in another place right now, right? But I'm hoping by the end of the service, you'll be glad you came. I'm hoping you're going to be glad you came. So open up your app with me. Get your app open. There's all kinds of stuff on the app today, uh, as Pastor Jim was mentioning. So I want you to make sure you have your app because there's a whole bunch of stuff on there. I'm I'm in the fourth part of a series on uh, on those who need a little bit more grace in their lives. Anybody? I'm in the front of the line for that one. So uh, it's called Live Free, and God wants us to truly live as we truly are, which is free. We are free. Uh, but uh, the problem is that it has a lot to do with this thing I want to deal with today, and that's community. What is community? How do you define it? Who's in community? Uh, how do you know if you have it or not? And, and so I want to talk a little bit about that this morning as we look at the life of Paul. Before I get started, uh, I want to pray in your bulletin. You'll see we're going to pray for Pastor Doug Anderson at Cross Point Church, formerly known as Church on the Way. Uh, and so this is a friend of mine, meets across the valley. And I'll tell you what, they just recently changed the name of their, their congregation. They used to be Church on the Way over on Cinema Drive. They took over the old theaters. And now they're Cross Point Church. I want to pray for them because, listen to this, we are the church. That's a congregation. This is a congregation, and there's congregations meeting all over the place, but we all make up the church. There's, there's this collective health, so we have to pray for one another. We have to lift one another up, and so I want to pray for Pastor Doug this morning. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for my relationship, my friendship with Pastor Doug and Krista. I thank you that uh, even, <laughs> even as we double date with them, my bride and his bride, and the four of us go out, and we party at least once a month, going out, having just a good time, laughing together, having a meal and, and reasoning together about this commonality of, of pastoring your people. I ask in the name of Jesus, you would bless him today, bless his congregation. As they open the word, there would be a practical and an applicable uh, lesson that would be brought today for, for Cross Point Church. I thank you for the new season that they're in. I thank you for the 10 plus years that they have been here in the Santa Clarita Valley partnering with what the kingdom needs to be brought here on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to thank you. I ask that you would continue to empower him, empower his staff, empower his leaders. Let, let uh, people step up, step up and say, you know, I'll volunteer for that. I'll help you with that, Pastor. I see the vision. How can I help complete it? I thank you for Cross Point Church and bless them in Jesus' name. Let be so let's be done keep praying for the church man keep praying for the church well grab your app grab your uh your fill in the blanks i've got some stuff for you today and i want to begin here what does the perfect christian look like 
I know you've all, you've all got one in your mind. You know, that's, that, that's a perfect Christian, right? In most people's minds, the perfect Christian walks, talks, and acts perfectly, right? I mean, you know, they used to struggle with sin, but now they're spiritually mature, right? They used to listen to the radio, but now all they have is worship playlists on their Spotify account. You know, it's like, man, if I could only be one of those elite Christians, right? Someday I'm going to get over, like, see, they've somehow worked out, they worked through their issues, and they've become, again, one of those elite Christians, and I want to get there. But sometimes it feels like we're all in some, cor- some kind of a holy ranking system, some kind of a, a ladder that we're all trying to get one more rung up on the ladder. And I feel like everybody's on a rung higher than I am anyway, right? Well, we've been looking at the life of Paul. I've been, I've been, we've been just walking through the life of Paul. And, and with the amount of New Testament that that guy wrote, you'd think, he'd think he was one of those elite Christians, But what's really wonderful is that Paul modeled involvement with all Christians everywhere. It didn't matter where on the road they were. With all kinds of people. In Acts chapter 20, I want you to see this. Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 4. Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 4. Paul is describing, he's got this travel blog going, okay? Paul has this travel blog called Acts. And uh, Luke is like keeping all the blog entries put in there, right? And like we traveled here and then we went here and then we did this and we went over here, right? And then it comes here to Acts chapter 20. He's on his third missionary journey. There was a full-on riot in Ephesus. And then we arrive here in verse 20, in chapter 20. Look at this in verse 4. Several men were traveling with him. So here's this blog, this travel blog, right? And they were the first guy who hates to take showers, Sopater. <laughs> Do you see that name? Sopater. The guy's a Sopater. I, 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 I just don't know what it would be like to introduce myself. What's your name? I'm Sopater, son of Pyrus from Berea. It's like, just shorten it all, just soapy or something. I don't, I, whatever it's got to be. But like, look at this, watch this. Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica and Gaius from Derby and Timothy and Tychius and, and, and Trophimus from the province of A. And it just goes on. And it's right about that point. I'm like, man, I need, just need to check my Instagram account or something, right? Because I read these names and I'm like, I'm so in the mood for a taco. I'm like, let's move on. I'm like, what are they talking about? Where are these places? Who are these irrelevant people? Because I know Paul. And I know Timothy, and I know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Jesus is in there somewhere, right? But who are these guys? It's wild because sometimes these lists, they seem irrelevant. And, and I bet you a lot of you never heard of Sopater, huh, right? You're like, Sopater? There's a guy named Sopater in the church, right? Well, I added kind of a little hard H in the middle of there, right? But it is Sopater. I mean, you've got you to go there, right, Sopater? Anyway, I've never heard of these people. Who are these people? And they just appear in this one verse, and you never hear of them again. This, this, these people. This Timothy's not this Timothy over here. There's another Timothy. There's all these people. It's like, what's going on? Now, these people, though, were intentionally included. At some point, Luke and Paul said, hey, we got to make sure that we mention these guys that have been traveling with us, our travel companions. we got to make sure that we talk about our companions. Because, see, Paul wasn't this lone ranger. He believed that the relationships were just as important as the mission. And I think sometimes we forget and we focus so heavily on the destination, we forget about the travel companions that are with us. Who's going with us? Who's who's on this journey? And we're so focused on where we're headed, we forget that where we're headed, a, a big part of where we're going is made up of the people that we're with, the people that we're hanging out with. 
And these people, these, this list of men are important. They're not just guys who need, who seriously need nicknames, right? I mean, just these names are so, uh, secundus. I just, uh, you got to have another name, man. Uh, so but they need nicknames, but they're, they're people who matter. They're people who matter to Paul and into, into this journey. And that's where, that's your first blank. As Paul grows in grace, he's also growing in community. See, Paul, as we, again, we're turning pages pretty quickly through the book of Acts, and, you're, and you realize, man, he's getting involved with people, all kinds of people. He is constantly, you read about Paul. If you read anything about Paul, you read about who he's with. Constantly, he was with John. He was with Peter. He's with these guys. He's talking with Timothy. It's constant. He's, he's entwined in relationships. And those relationships make up Paul's community. Community is all about people. No matter where you are in your journey with God, no matter where we are, where we're going, we need people every step along the way. Every day we encounter people with different stories, different backgrounds, different differences, right? They're just different people. We have all kinds of different people in our lives. And those differences can be good, right? I mean, they add variety from country music to country accents. There's, there's differences in people that go, oh, right. They make things interesting, but they also make things really complicated. As soon as you start dealing with people, it, it all of a sudden gets wonky. You, uh, you have one person, I've got five opinions. Two people, we've got 50 opinions, right? And it gets complicated because when human beings interact with each other in community, the problem is we act like human beings and we start hurting each other. We're imperfect. Sometimes we use our differences to measure ourselves against others. It's what I call the comparison trap. And no matter how you do the comparison trap, there will always be somebody sandwiching you. You think, well, I'm better than that person. And then you turn around and you go, oh, but that person's better than me. It just stay. I gave up the comparison trap a long time ago. I'm like, I can't, I can't compete with it. It was too, it was too hard for me to, because I kept going, I'm better than them. I'm better than them. Oh, I'm not so good at them. And, I just thought, I don't think that's the way it's supposed to be. I think Jesus is going, how about just me and you? How about our conversations? Sometimes we think we're better just because we're different. Sometimes we think we're less than because we're different. And God says, I want to get rid of all of that. Living in community requires grace from us, and it requires grace for us. I need you to be gracious with me, and I'm going to be gracious with you. I, I, I want you to forgive me. I'm going to try and forgive you. I'm doing my best. A couple weeks, a few weeks back, I made some kind of off comment. I don't know how to remember. I was talking about Adele at some point. I was like, oh, man, stupid, right? So I come back and I go, hey, would you please forgive me? That was inappropriate. See, and, and my hope is people go, right on. With the, with, with the speed with which your lips are moving, it's bound something terrible is going to come out of your face, right? <laughs> it, it just happens. And so I come before you and I go, hey, I'm sorry again. I'm so sorry. I, it's probably not the best choice of words. I could have done better there, right? But what we need is we need to keep working at it. So on the, back of your, on the back of your page today, check this out. And this is in the app. It's in the app is what I call the slippery slope of conflict. See, we're supposed to stay in this, this top part here, this resolution part. We're supposed to be talking about it. We're either supposed to overlook stuff or get help with that stuff. We're supposed to stay up here. But as soon as we choose, ah, should I get help? Nah, I'm going to move into put downs and gossip and fighting and I'm going to attack people. Or, you know what, I don't want to talk anymore. You know what, they, they, I saw the way they looked at me. 
Were you sure they were looking at you? I, I'm sure they were. I didn't ask them about it because I wasn't going to talk to them anymore. But I unfriended them on Facebook last week. See, and so here, all of a sudden, it goes over here, and we move into denial, the blame game. We start, we come over here, and we try to escape the problems. But God is saying, hey, I want you to work on this. This is what makes community. Now, this is from a teaching I did actually last year called Peace and Conflict. And in your app, which is really cool, I was like, hey, can we do this? So I had them put this in here. Let me see. I'm going to pull it up here because I want you to see it. In the bottom of the app, so you have all the fill in the blanks, right? And then in the bottom of the app, they have the slippery slope, which is this graphic here. And then the slippery slope reader, which is a reader that I put together. It's, I think it's like four or five pages maybe, okay? But it talks about how do you work out conflict? So everybody raise your hand. Everybody in the room, raise your hand. Everybody, come on. Everybody, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Everybody raise your hand. Who's got conflict in their life? Okay, good. All right, so <laughs> I just want to make sure nobody, nobody was going to miss out on that because you got conflict. I know you do. If you're a human being and you're around other human beings, you got conflict. But are, are we working on it? And so I put that in here, the slippery slope reader, and then peace and conflict, the teaching that I introduced this last year in 2018, I introduced that. But I want you, I want you to work on, work on your conflicts because when we don't, community suffers. The people around you suffer. And worst of all, even though you don't know it, you suffer. You suffer when you don't work on the conflict. So I, I've included that this morning. I hope you'll take a look at that. Get that, get that reader. It's, it's a pretty easy reader. I, we, I think we even have physical copies somewhere around here. I don't know. Uh, but without community, here's the problem. Life is not as full or as fun as I think is it supposed to be, as I think the way God designed it to be. And that's your next blank. God designed us to live in community. God designed us to live in community with one another. Not next, listen, not next to one another, not near one another, with one another. And so I want you to open your Bibles to Philippians, please. Flip over to Philippians. Let's go there. Come on. Come with me. Grab your Bibles. In fact, you got a Bible right in front, in chair back right in front of you. You're like, I didn't bring my Bible. I got one for you, right? So it's right in your chair back in front of you. Check that out. Philippians chapter 2. I want you to see this. Paul is talking to the church in a place called Philippi. He's talking to these people, and he says, hey, man, here, here's what community is all about. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just wrap it up for you here. Watch this. In chapter 2, the book of Philippians, starting in verse 1, he says this. Is there any encouragement from being a Christian, belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort from his love? Is there any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then do me a favor, would you? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. See, he sets out, here's what community is about. Now, I love the way the message paraphrases this. There's, there's a, 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 somebody, somebody took the Bible and just paraphrased it into modern English. It's called the message. I wanted to read it to you. Look at this. Here's Philippians 2, 1 and 2. If you've gotten anything out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, and you all have hearts, if you care, do me a favor, agree with each other, love each other, be, listen to this, deep-spirited friends. And then he continues and he says this, don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed 
with getting your own advantage. Forget your, oh man, I love the way this is paraphrased. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. See, Paul's going, hey, listen, in case you forgot, it's not about you. I'm like, ah, oh, I did forget. And I, and I come back to that place. I align myself to that place a lot. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's about what I want and when I want it and how I want it and where and who and with. And, uh, it's all about me. Because it's, it's, it's not about you. Sometimes Christians will treat non-Christians poorly. In fact, Christians have been very well known to gossip and argue and attack other Christians as well. That's why we pray for the church. Because as far as I'm concerned, as far as we as a congregation are concerned, these people are not our competition. These people are on my team. These people, it's not about who gets people on church on Sunday. That's why we celebrate church anywhere but here every summer. I go, hey, go somewhere else. Go celebrate with other people. Go for it. Go see what they're doing. Because we're all working this thing together. See, the problem is not just how Christians are treating non-Christians. But I believe that changing the way non-Christians think of Christianity begins with changing the way Christians treat other Christians. Is there anybody in this room you need to forgive? Is there another brother or sister in Christ? Is there any comfort in being in Christ? Forgive one another. That's what Paul's talking about here. This is, this is your next blank. If the world looks at our relationships with other Christians, they need to see spirited friends. Spirited friends, I am for you. You are for me. I believe that. When you say something, I go, you know, I'm going to believe you actually didn't mean that. <laughs> I, I get the way it came out of your face, but you probably didn't want to say it like that, right? Because that was mean. I believe the best in you. I want you to do the same for me. Extend me grace. I need grace. But see, when the world looks at us and they see bickering and pettiness and gossip and betrayal, why would they ever want to be a follower of Jesus? I get all of that without following Jesus. See, their problem isn't with Christ. It's with you and me. That's the problem the world has. It's with us. But Paul continues his attempt to get us aligned to this community mentality. Watch this in verses 3 and 4. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Nobody likes that word. Humble. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And then he finishes it up. Listen, we can get rid of verses 1 through 4 right here with just verse 5. It's real simple. Verse 5. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Well, that changes everything. See, now it's all summed up. Verses 1 through 4 are summed up in verse 5. I, I sum it up this way. This is discipleship. Finish it for me. More like Jesus today than I was, and more like Jesus tomorrow than I am. Listen, that, that's what this is talking about. This is where I get this stuff from. It's right out of here. He says, act like Jesus That means I got to be humble. That, that means I got to let others have their way. Oh, man. See, John the Baptist put it this way. He said, I got to decrease, you got to increase. 
Jesus prayed prayers like this. When was the last time you prayed this one? Let your will be done, not mine. That is not, that is not a common prayer in my life. It's let my will be done, let my will be done, let my will be done. And do my will. That's my prayer. Do what I want. And then Paul, he, he takes the rest of, of chapter 2 here, verses 6 through 11, and he starts talking about how Jesus modeled this for us. He starts out with this phrase, though he was God, he was humble, he was humble, he was humble, he was humble, he was humble. He was, it, it's amazing. He gave up divine privileges. He, he obeyed God all the way to the end. He just goes on. He had all the honor, but he chose to be humble. See, when we don't choose humility, listen to me, we choose conflict. When we don't choose humility, we choose conflict because conflict, as far as, I, as, far as I've seen, Conflict is usually the result of somebody not being humble. Typically, two people not being humble or groups of people not being humble. And then we have these conflicts that pop up. And once again, Paul gives us this direction. He goes, hey, when, when you have these conflicts, I want you to keep in mind something. And this time he's talking to the church in Ephesus. This is in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. Look at this. He says this. I need you to get rid of all bitterness. Oh, yeah, I got some of that. I got, I, got a, I got a shelves full of that stuff, right? Rage. Oh, I won't have you raise your hands. Anger. Harsh words. Oh, it keeps going, right? He's like inventorying my life here, right? Reading your mail, right? He says slander as well as types of evil behavior. He said, instead, be kind to each other. Be tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You hear this? He's saying, listen, this, this is the model. This is how we play out Christianity. In closing this morning, I want to I share three things with you that I believe defined the grace-filled early church. The early church that we read about, I, I, as, I, as I read these stories, I'm like, man, there's so much grace here. We've lost the grace. We're critical with one another. And I'm like, I want to get back to some of this grace. There's, there's a graciousness that people had with one another. And I, I believe these three things, they're on your notes here this morning. These three things define the early church. First was compassion. This, they were compassionate. They had a reputation for caring for one another and for caring for the community around them. Super compassionate people. And you read about it. It's all over the place. The second one was generosity. They had a generosity that, in my opinion, defies logic. Because it was quiet. It's like they didn't go, hey, newspaper, come look at what we're doing. They just did it. They didn't care about who got credit. They weren't interested. They weren't, hey, make sure the, make sure the news covers this good stuff that we're doing. We're feeding the poor. We're taking care of it. No, they just did what they were supposed to do. It, it, was, it, was, it was quiet. It was diligent. They were constantly doing it. And I got to tell you what, this, this generosity was done cheerfully. Everybody's like, all right, cool, let's do it. You watch how they do it. It's amazing. I genuinely don't believe that we can have either of these two things, compassion and generosity, without the other. They don't exist independently. Because when you see compassion, you, you automatically are a generous person. And when someone is generous, it's shown through their compassion for other people. See, these two things work together constantly. This third piece is what I would call worship. Now, and I don't mean just singing, because a lot of people, although that is, that is part of worship, but it's more than just singing. 
it's, it's, the Bible says paying attention to the apostles' teaching. It's like, listen, okay, what, what, what's God saying to us? Paying attention to this, this book that we have here, right? It's the gathering. H- how are we gathering and treating one another in the gathering? It's serving one another. And the beautiful thing is that the grace, the grace that happens, that, that is given to us, through worship, stimulates a gratitude, which we are missing a lot in life. It stimulates a gratitude in us. And that's why worship's important. Because here's what happens in worship. We begin to worship and we do things like this. I need to decrease, you need to increase. Everybody's saying the same thing. You are the best name in the whole house. There's no other name greater. No one can be saved on earth or in the heavens than the name of Jesus. See, we all start singing the same stuff. And we start aligning our minds and start aligning our hearts. And God goes, oh, you know what, God? You are more than enough. We sing these things and we sing about, we sing, we sing about contentment. And something aligns us and then grace swells up inside of us. And then humility, it's all good. My problems, they're all, they're all in context now. I can see it. I can't encourage you enough to participate in worship. Now, today is what's called Pentecost Sunday. If you're unfamiliar with Pentecost Sunday, it happens in Acts chapter 2. It's actually an Old Testament festival, a feast that went on in the Old Testament. And then as it was happening in the New Testament, the same festival, everybody's celebrating this. They're in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit comes and, and visits the church for the first time. Right? And so here's what happens in Acts chapter 2 is Pentecost happens. And and today we celebrate that, but, but I, I want to I celebrate it in, in the same way, but different. And this last week I was in Nashville, as I mentioned, I was in Nashville, and, and I had TV. I, I don't have TV, so I got to watch TV this last week. It was awesome. Um, but I saw this commercial. You know how much commercials are on TV? It's ridiculous. I, it made me like, I don't miss TV. There's, there's, it was like, I, I, know who, I know who the sponsors were for every show. It's like, good, another commercial of this? When, when does the show happen? You know, I think, I think like shows are 10 minutes and then you got 20 minutes of commercials, right? So I was watching these commercials, but this is something I, I pray on a regular basis. And, and I, I, would, I would encourage you to pray this prayer. I want to be parable wise. I want to see the kingdom of God in front of me. See, Jesus was always going, you know, the kingdom of God's like a, like a farmer. The kingdom of God's like a fisherman. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom, and so I want to see, when I look out, I want to see the kingdom of God. Well, I was watching this commercial, and I was like, oh, oh my gosh. First, it was hysterical. I loved it. It was amazing, right? It was the Wendy's Frosties commercial. Have you seen the Wendy's Frosties commercial? All right. And so I was watching. I was like, first I laughed because I, before I got into ministry, I was in marketing. I was in the music industry and marketing, and then I got into ministry. And so I love good marketing. Well, this commercial was like, this was good because I was laughing out loud literally, right? I'm like, oh, this was awesome, right? And then it played again. And then a third time. And then a fourth time, I saw it five times during one show. I was like, dang. But what, here's what happened. The first time I thought it was hysterical. The second time I laughed again. And, and by the time it was over, I was calling my wife going, babe, you got to see this. I'm calling my bride into the other room. Babe, babe, come here. You got to see this commercial. And it was over. So by the third time, I'm like, oh, here it is. Here it is. And we're watching. And then all of a sudden it hit me. I thought, wow, there is something radically profound with this commercial. So I want to show it to you. Pay attention. It's only 16 seconds. So get ready. Here's this commercial. Watch this. Mm, Is that a Wendy's Frosty? Yeah, and right now they're only 50 cents. The 50 cent Frosty is back. So if you need your Frosty fix, we got you. (laughs) 
it's over. And I was like, that was good. But by the third time, I started noticing things. I was like, oh, oh. And all of a sudden, I saw the kingdom. And I want to share the kingdom with you this morning through the Wendy's Frosties commercial. <laughs> I'm going to give you a second chance. Pay attention. Here it is. Mm, is that a Wendy's Frosty? Yeah, and right now they're only 50 cents. The 50 cent Frosty is back. <laughs> so if you need your Frosty fix, we got you. You should have seen the posts around this. Are they encouraging people to steal money from fountains? I mean, shut up. Enjoy the commercial. Here, here's what I noticed. And I didn't notice it the first or second time. I, I just didn't see it. The guy eating the Frosty first, the Frosties aren't that big. They're like this big. It's a shot glass of chocolate. It's, it's, it's the, and he's holding it like at the bottom of the cup so it looks bigger. Trust me, I went to get the 50-cent Frosty because I watched it five times. <laughs> right? And I was like, really? That's all that it is? That, okay, that's 50 cents worth of Frosty then. Okay. So, but, but here's what I want you to see. He's halfway wet. The guy with the Frosty in the beginning, he's soaking wet. He's already been in the fountain. He's already jumped. He's already been soaked. He's already been refreshed. And somebody came up and said, you're refreshed? How'd you get refreshed? Oh, it's this Frosty. Oh, I got to go. And they jumped in the fountain. One person who jumped in the fountain caused another person to jump in the fountain, which caused, did you see the third one jump in the fountain? And here's the other one. I'm, I'm going to show it to you again. All around the fountain is wet. Oh, the ground all the way around the fountain, it's all wet because people have been jumping in the fountain. But you know what else? There were some other people just throwing money in the fountain. Yeah. They're not getting in the fountain. They're just standing by the fountain, doing what everybody does, making a wish. Can you imagine if we jumped in the fountain of worship? Can you imagine if we found ourselves refreshed in the fountain? Listen, the Bible says that we, we are washed in a fountain that makes us white as snow, that takes the crimson stain, the blood that can't get washed out, that washes it clean. I'm, I, I sat there going, oh, by the third time, I was like, wow. The fourth time, now I'm looking at it. By the fifth time, I'm like, how do I get this video and play it on Sunday? <laughs> so Friday afternoon, about 3.30, I called Travis, like, oh, I'm, we got to get this, we got to get this frosty video. I don't know how to get it. You know, he, I'll get it for you. So he got it for me. But I want you to see the kingdom. I want you to see the kingdom because I think a lot of people are, listen to me, even here in church, as the church gathers, we stand outside the fountain going, yeah, well, you can jump in. I'm not getting in there. That's in public? You're going to jump in a fountain? Really? No, I need to be refreshed. I'm going to play this for you a third time. Watch the kingdom. Mm, is that a Wendy's frosty? Yeah, and right now they're only 50 cents. See the guy throwing the money in the background? The 50 cent frosty is back. So if you need your frosty fix, we got spirit. you. I love the head first nature of jumping in the fountain. It wasn't, okay, I gotta get some money and then, no. Wah! It, it was not a careful action. I'm wondering how cautious we are in worship. You know, I want you to hear something. The Bible says this, okay? I, I get people, it happens all the time. People are like, you know, raising hands in worship, that's kind of weird stuff, you know, like charismatic weird things. You know? No, the Bible says lift up holy hands. That wasn't me. That was the Bible. The Bible says to do it. Oh, we do it at football games. Yeah! Basketball games, soccer games, baseball games. Yeah! But in worship, that's totally inappropriate. 
Why? Why? I'm free. Isn't that what people do when they're free? But see, we, we kind of become hesitant. So before I continue, everybody in this room, pause. I'm talking to you in the tent now. Okay, so everybody just don't listen. All right, I'm talking to you in the tent. Hey, you know what I've noticed in the tent? I've noticed this, that when I come out to the tent, everybody's sitting down and nobody's singing. And I come and I visit you every week. I come out to the tent, and then I come to the tent, and I start singing, and then you start singing, because I jumped in the fountain. And then you go, oh, oh, we could jump in the fountain. And how about today you start singing before I get out there? <laughs> hey, that wasn't for you. That's for them. How about you start, sing how about you start singing before I get out there? Because, listen, the fountain is waiting. The refreshing is waiting for you. But don't wait for me to come out there and start leading. You know, I'll be loud and obnoxious with my voice, right? But, listen, you don't, don't do the comparison trap. Well, my voice doesn't sound as good as hers or as good as his or theirs. Just listen. The Bible says, sing unto the Lord. It's the third most given commandment in the Bible. Sing. So let's do that today. Okay, back to you. Hey, I'm talking to you. Sing. Okay, but I, my voice, I don't care. Make a joyful noise. Listen, God wants to know what you think. And that's why here at the sanctuary, we read this to align our minds and align our hearts so that we actually have something to say when it comes around time to saying it. So most of the time we're coming in here and it's late and, we, and my kids forgot their socks or they forgot their Bible or I didn't have a Bible. What do I, I, but we got here to church. At least we made it. <laughs> and then we're, we're expected to praise the Lord now. My, I'm not in a frame of mind to do that. So that's why we read the Bible. What does God say about us? What do you want, now what do you want to say about him? And then we hop into worship and we begin to, we begin to sing these songs like, all right. So this morning as we worship, I want to encourage you. Let Pentecost happen for you today. Jump in the fountain. I've already been in twice this morning. Come with me. Jump in. Head first. Don't do it cautiously. Don't, well, I'll sing a little bit. Maybe one of these songs. Oh, it's cold. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, it'll be refreshing. Trust me. It's already 85 degrees, you guys. God wants to refresh us this morning. Anybody ready? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for our time together. I thank you for a moment to jump in the fountain. I thank you, Father, for the invitation to be refreshed. I ask that we would see the kingdom, even this morning, as we are transformed by encounter, as we are transformed as we jump in the fountain. I pray that we would worship you with our whole heart, with our whole mind, with all of our strength. We would worship you in spirit and in truth. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Let it be so. Let it be done.